football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard, WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming to the scoreboard live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to this week's show. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman, 4 o'clock here live from the Weagle Studios. Got a lot to talk about today on today's show. Auburn Throttles LSU College Football Roundup. Trevor Lawrence will not be participating in a top five matchup this weekend and much more. But before we get started, Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the walk back to the car after the show because it's going to be dark. I hate we're in standard time now, right? Uh, Central. Talking about time zone or yeah, the daylight no, no, no. savings? Because I, I, I get confused on it. Because I forget. I think we All I know back. is we shouldn't have it. Yeah, I agree. We should spring forward and stay there. That's my opinion. <laughs> stay there. Because we, want, we, we it, want more light. This is a school board after dark, which is when the school board shines the brightest. So, hey, about to have a great show. Like we were talking about, we are going to go ahead and get into it. Auburn versus LSU this past weekend on the Plains. A matchup between a 2-2 two and two LSU team versus a 3-2 and two Auburn team. Both teams trying to continue some momentum that they had just received in the season. Um, this was a big game for both teams. And like I said, Auburn just had gotten some momentum from beating Ole Miss on the road. Came back home. Hadn't been home in a while since the Arkansas game. And on Halloween, Auburn gave LSU a spooky treat. Yeah, and one thing we talked about last week was that we expected Bo Nix to have a big game. And... He did just that. Probably, I think Gus Malzahn told him after the game, you should play the best game of your career. He And he said in his press conference, he knows that he had that Mississippi State game last year, but he said that was the game of his career so far. And, you know, it's just this team is trending up. Auburn really dominated on both sides of the ball. The defensive line got pressure on freshman TJ Finley, who was eventually benched in, a, uh, in the third quarter. And... It's one of those things where you have a game like that and you just wonder what it was that flipped the switch. I know that LSU is not the team they were last year or they they might not win five games this year, but it's still the defending national champions. It's still a team that you've lost to three years in a row and you still won by 37 points. I'm not sure what it was. Who knows what it means going forward, but the thing is, is Auburn played the best game of their season so far, and it's hard to find anything to complain about. Yeah, I think a big thing is just, what we had mentioned in the show last week was getting that pressure on TJ Finley. Uh, It ended up being Derek Hall, who was the bright spot on the defensive line. He won SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. Uh, But it wasn't just him. Big Cat Bryant finally started getting some push. Colby Wooden continued his great redshirt freshman season. Um, And you had great play up the middle by Daquan Newkirk and Tyrone Truesdale. And that's really kind of what rattled T.J. Finley. He finished the day with only 13 of 24 passing, 143 yards, and he had two interceptions on the day. Um, including I mean, a fumble as well. Yes, including a fumble. Uh, pressured by Derek Hall, and it was a scooped score for Christian Tutt. Um, so you can really just see how much of the fact that the defensive line was, hey, and even the secondary. There's been a lot of talk in recent weeks about Auburn having one of the most complete secondaries in the league, and it's kind of starting to show despite that youth. Nehemiah Pritchett impressed me for the first time last weekend, and he looked great. I was about to say, it's big for you to give him some praise. You haven't been high on him. No, I haven't. It's just he he made some great plays on the balls that he 
had an interception. Wasn't, he wasn't letting his receivers get in position. Yeah, I mean, he almost scored that interception. He gave one of the best efforts I've seen on an interception diving from the five-yard line. But you're right. The secondary looks great. Roger McCreary's been good all year. Tut's been eh. Pritch has been eh. But now they're looking great. And, of course, Smoke Monday and Jamie Sherwood, we knew what they were bringing to the table. I think two big things, or three big things to take away from the secondary was, like you said, Nehemiah Pritchett finally starting to get, in, get into the groove and get a good feeling for college ball. Jalen Simpson's back. Uh, he's been back for a game or two, but he, he hasn't been playing a lot of meaningful minutes, but he had some great plays on Saturday, some strong defensive-minded plays. Uh, getting him back and getting him back in the groove to get him a strong corner one day is huge. And then Jamie and Sherwood uh, was banged up. Well, I had mentioned in the game, I said, I don't think Jamie's been in in a while. Uh, my dad, who was in the box seat, said that he actually saw him limping off the field. He was on the sideline in a boot. In yeah. Crutches. Yeah. And Gus Malzahn says that he has a chance to play against Mississippi State. He said if, if the game was this weekend, it pro- he probably wouldn't be able to play, but he might be a go in two weeks. Yeah, and Gus was talking, just like you said, that the bye week couldn't have come in a greater time. They're kind of banged up. Um but like I was saying, my dad, shout out to dad. Dad said he saw him coming off the field, hobbled off, and as soon as he got off the field, I mean, he just collapsed, and they picked him up and carried him. Um, so that's going to be big for Auburn going forward as well. Another thing is the play of the linebackers without K.J. Britt and Chandler Wooten. I mean, golly. Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean have been playing absolutely out of their minds, and Zacoby McLean is leading the SEC in tackles with 62 tackles so far this season. Well, look at this. LSU rushing had 32 yards on wow. the ground. The longest rush they had... Eight yards. Yep. That's crazy. And that's not just the linebackers. That's also the defensive line. But good Lord. Their leading rusher was their quarterback. Excuse me. Now, it was TJ Finley had negative two yards. John Emery Jr. was their leading rusher. But I, I just, I was so impressed by the run defense. And, of course, I, I think the defensive line just played the best games of their lives on Saturday. And the run game shows because that, that's not something we – We've seen so far. Yeah, I think it's just a testament to Kevin Steele getting that defense ready. And it kind of goes back to the mantra of Auburn's had three close losses in the past three years to LSU. It's a lot of anger and hate, anger and hate and torture just built up inside of them. They just absolutely unleashed onto the defensive side of the ball. And then if I can go back to what you were saying earlier, Sam on the offensive side, like you said, Bo Nix has had the best game of his career and it just happened this past Saturday. He is the first Auburn quarterback, if I remember correctly, to throw for 300 yards and rush for over 75 since Cam Newton, and they're the only two in Auburn history to do so. Well, another stat, Bo Nix has more 300-yard passing games than Nick Marshall and Cam Newton. Yeah. So, Bo Nix, I think the best thing that he did on Saturday, I mentioned to you in the middle of the game, was his pocket awareness was probably at the highest level it's been in its career. I can't remember what play it was or when exactly it was, but there was one play where it's when you mentioned it, is it, it just looked incredible. He looked like he was about to scramble, but then he stayed right there in the pocket and found an open receiver. Yeah. It's those things that if he continues to improve, who knows what this offense can do. Yeah, he's starting to settle into a sophomore year. I think the early noise of all the hate going around in the Auburn world kind of, kind of gave him a wake-up call. He's a competitor. We know that he's going to compete, but... His pocket awareness was great. He didn't take outside of the pocket when he needed to. He tried to step up, and then he had a lot of QB rushes up the middle. I mean, he was Auburn's leading rusher with 81 yards. Um, he had a rushing touchdown with two passing touchdowns. A QBR of 92.8. So, I mean, can't ask for much more out of Bo Nix against one of the best pass rushes. In, pass rushes uh, I'm so broken. Pass rushes in the defense. And that's also a testament to the O-line. We were talking about it earlier in a group chat with a couple buddies is that Auburn's O-line took that criticism hard week one, and so did Jack McNell Jr. And in week two against Georgia, and they have just improved, 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 and improved. Well, who we haven't even talked about is Tank Bigsby, who I yeah. played the worst game of his career, and that's not, you know, 
Not even That's, worse, just yeah. the, the least performed yeah. game of his career. 71 yards on 15 carries is still productive. It's under 5 yards per carry, which is un, unlike Tank. He's usually above 5 yards per carry. But and he like, had two touchdowns. Exactly. So. And he, the fact that he didn't play like he has in the previous weeks and Auburn still put up this offensive performance is so encouraging just because yeah. it shows that the offense is not relying on Tank and it's not, and Tank has, doesn't have to carry this team, you know, a la carry on Johnson in 2017. Yeah, I think a big thing as well is early you kind of saw him and Sean Shivers going in and out. Literally every other play was just mm-hmm. Sean and Tank, Sean and Tank. Sean only finished with 18 yards on the game, but his first few runs, I mean, those were some big runs. He laid out the probably should have been SEC freshman of the year last year in Derek Stingley Jr., who Auburn didn't really have to worry about a lot last week. But um, I, I think a big thing, we've talked about it in recent weeks as well, is just Auburn was able to spread the ball out. You saw them try and get it out to Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, Eli Stove. You saw J.J. Pegues catch a few passes here and there. Devian Capers had his first um, collegiate touchdown as well. And I just want to point out one thing was we were at the game and I, I looked down at you and I said Auburn was up 42 to uh, three at the time or whatever it was, 42 to I, don't, I can't remember what the score was, but I looked down to you just the fourth quarter and I was like, why is Auburn's first team offense still in? <laughs> yeah. First play from inside the 10 yard line, Bo Nix throws his best deep ball of his career. That's the things that I think why they stay in. As long as they do, because you get to see things like that. And work on stuff like that. And like you said, the best deep ball of his career, and it happens in garbage time. I just, it gives him confidence. I, I agree. I think it gives him, give him some confidence. I just would like to see that a lot more going forward. Not every other play, hey, Anthony, run as fast as you can. Because Anthony's transforming into a great route runner, and he is, yeah. he's starting to get really good hands early in his career. Even last year with the broken hand, he was kind of dropping a lot of passes he shouldn't have. This year, he's become one of Auburn's most reliable receivers outside of Seth Williams. So I would just like to see that a lot more. He's getting a lot better with his route running. Uh, Eli Stove had a big day. I think that takes a lot of pressure off off of having to get the ball to Seth Williams. Um, all in all, Auburn's offense looked great. Did you know that 91-yard passing touchdown was the longest pass in an SEC game since 2016? Who was it in 2016? It was a Florida and Texas A&M. I can't remember the exact uh, connections, but... It was Florida and Texas, and they each had like a 90. 90 there's an oh, it was Tyree Cleveland in for Florida, a 98 yard touchdown, and then for Texas A&M, I can't remember who it was, but it was a 94 yard touchdown. Okay, so hey, so from this, so most points Auburn has ever scored against LSU, and it's the largest margin of victory Auburn has ever had against LSU. That kind of tells you all you need to know. Ed Orgeron and the Bayou Bengals did not have a great day on the Plains, and I don't know what <laughs> what's going to happen moving forward with them. But I kind of want to talk about what's going to happen with Auburn moving forward. You end the year with Mississippi State on the road, Tennessee at home, Alabama on the road, and Texas A&M at home. The, the latter two are both ranked in the top ten currently. And Tennessee was ranked at one point. They were. They, they, we'll see what they can do over the next three games. They have a chance to really storm back, I would say, and potentially get back into the top 25 and who knows, Give Auburn something to worry about going to Arkansas this weekend and then hosting Texas A&M the week after that. But yeah, just looking ahead, it's a bye week this week. Time to get right. Time to get healthy. I mean, I think it's very possible that you know I'm not saying run the table because beating Alabama is still just I David can't versus get, Goliath. I can't get any match. I can't get behind that right now. But other than that, I mean Texas A&M. It's hard to imagine Auburn's being outmatched there. I agree. I think at Mississippi State, I think that's really kind of the only game I would put quotations around as a trap game left. Their defense is 
still solid. Yeah, especially after, I mean, they just had so much drama in their locker room with Kylan Hill leaving, several other players voicing their displeasures with the leadership of Michael Leach, which honestly you think would be the opposite of what you get with Michael Leach. Um, I think just internally that that program is just kind of a dumpster fire. So my only thing is just, you know, it's 3 o'clock game in Starkville. Uh, it's not like Auburn's waking up to the classic 11 a.m. upset game. They're um, going to be coming off a, lo- a win, too, against Vanderbilt. Yeah, so like I said, that's the only game I would say left is just you definitely have to keep your head on a swivel. And it comes after a bye week, which Auburn has only lost one game after a bye week in Gus Malzahn's career, which was last year against Georgia, I believe. So um, yeah. point being, after if you can get through Mississippi State, you have a good chance of finishing two and three after that. I don't like I said. I think Auburn goes seven and three after seeing how they performed. If they can keep up what they did last week, seven and three is definitely possible in the regular season. Yeah, and you know if they do run the table, they still need Alabama to lose the game to make it the SEC championship. Looking at Alabama's schedule, it's not going to happen unless it was Auburn, which in Bryant Denny, Auburn doesn't win. Yeah, they they have to lose two games for Auburn to get in. I mean, they play LSU in two weeks, then they play Kentucky, and then they go to Arkansas in December. Hard to imagine Alabama dropping any of those. Hopefully we get a few weeks down the road and the situation becomes somewhat of that or something else and we can get a really good look at the picture. Who knows? On the other side of the break, we are going to take a look around the college football world, upcoming games around different conferences in the nation. We'll give you our predictions and our analysis and what we think. Stay tuned. On the other side of the break, it's Bay Marks with Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into The Scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. We're transitioning to the SEC as a whole following Auburn's, Auburn's talk about beating LSU in a blowout on Halloween, but you know, the SEC is... It's not as interesting as we thought it would be because we still know who the top dog is. But looking in the East, big matchup this weekend is probably going to decide who faces Alabama in the SEC championship, assuming everything goes as we think it will. Florida and Georgia, number eight Florida. And Georgia will meet in Jacksonville as they do every year. And it's one of those games that you just really had no idea. Florida's going to be missing several players for the first half following the fight against Missouri headed to halftime. That was costly. It was. And, you know, it's funny because I think Missouri is playing Georgia next week off a of bye week. They have players suspended. So Georgia is the biggest winner of that fight. But I don't know. Looking at this game, I just, I really, really, really don't know what to expect. <laughs> and I like Florida, but I don't know if I believe in them to win this game. So the the thing with me is the fact just especially after having played Georgia, is just how strangling and constricting that defense is. The only other, the only team that really hasn't had a problem with that is, of course, Alabama, but it's because it's Alabama. Georgia's defense is just one of those teams where no matter how bad their offense is, their defense is just going to control and just anger the crap out of every other team they play. They played Kentucky last week. Offense played terribly, only had 14 points. They held Kentucky to three points. Granted, it's Kentucky, but point stands. Played Tennessee, held Tennessee to 21 while they over-doubled it. We all know what happened with Auburn. They held Arkansas to 10 points after being down early. So, I mean, when it came down to the pick on me personally, I did pick Florida. Um, And simply it just comes down to the fact that I think Florida's offense is better than Georgia's all around. I still don't believe in Stetson Bennett. He's 
got seven touchdowns on the year with five interceptions, barely over 1,000 yards passing. I think the biggest thing that Georgia has riding for them is Samir White, who's had over 400 rushing yards and six carrying touchdowns. I think that's who they're going to try to ride out on the horse on on Saturday, but I just I can't see it being enough with the way Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts have played this year. Well, yeah, see, I, I love what Trask and Pitts are doing. You know, that was my Heisman pick before COVID struck the Gators, and I don't know, really, I don't know if I want to stick with that, but I mean, he still looks great, and I will stick with it just because I did pick that earlier in the season, and you know, you never know, he might come in and dominate against Georgia, and if he does, he's going to be in the driver's seat with Mac Jones for that Heisman Trophy along with Trevor Lawrence, and I just, you're right, I don't trust Stetson Bennett, but I don't know if I trust Florida. That's the thing. It's just, it's hard for me. I cannot trust either of these teams just based off the pass. It's hard to imagine Florida running the table the rest of the way or Georgia not screwing up at some point to lose it all. I think Florida can get away with having to not use their rush defense as much because that's where Georgia has really made their money was the rush defense. They allow 80 yards a game rushing, and they also have a good pass rush. I think if Kyle Trask can get comfortable and his offensive line gives him just enough time, I think he'll be able to have enough time in the pocket to make some some good throws out to guys just like Kyle Pitts and his receiving core. And I th- it, the spread's three and a half in favor of the Bulldogs. I say Florida covers that spread. I say Florida wins by like seven or ten. Yeah, well, you man, if you think they win, they're going to cover no matter what. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that's confident. See, I, I'm just not. I'll pick Florida for the sake of my Heisman pick, but like I said, I just don't trust either of these teams. I think it's like I said, quarterback play is going to be big. I still don't trust Stetson Bennett. I don't think he's the best quarterback on their roster. I think the fact that he has so many weapons around him makes him look like he's a better quarterback than he is. I wasn't convinced with him when Auburn played them. I think Auburn just had a terrible game. Their O line was insane. Our D line wasn't developed. If Auburn played Georgia in the normal Amen corner this year. It would look a little different. I don't. Yeah. I still don't believe in Auburn to beat Georgia, but yeah, it would look a lot different. I think it'd be a lot more competitive. This year. I still have Florida. I'll pick Florida too. Yeah. Other SEC game, top ten team in play. There's only four games this week, but Texas A&M, South Carolina, the South Carolina team. You never know what you're going to get with them. You're they're either going to beat Auburn or get blown out by a freshman quarterback at LSU. This week, what do we expect? I really just want to pick A&M on the road just because of the fact that they've just been trending upwards since the season started. And like you said, you never really know what you're going to get with South Carolina. I think they have that one high of the year with that one or two one or two games where they win, like where they look good. Auburn happened to be one of them. I don't think this is another one that they get this year. It is a night game in South Carolina, but I think Jimbo Fisher and his veteran quarterback in Kellamon, who's had a good season this year with 12 touchdowns and two picks, I think they go into Columbia and I think they get a victory and they move to 5-1. and one. They've looked great. Texas A&M since that Alabama loss. Yeah. And looking at the rest of their schedule, they're probably going to be 8-1 and one heading to Jordan-Hare Stadium on December 5th. Now, that's obviously assuming there's no COVID postponements, but I do think that, I think this game will be close. I think, oh man, I don't know if South Carolina will cover that. I think it'll be close till the end. It's at 10 points. That's, that's, a, that's a little, in my opinion, that's a, that's a lot of credit to South Carolina. I agree. I think it might be a little bit closer than 10, but Right around somewhere. It'll be there. right around there, but I, I do think Texas A&M will win this game. I think they're going to run the table until Don't. the Auburn game. So Texas A&M, well, that won't matter because it, Texas A&M is in Auburn's same boat. They are fighting for that hard. Spot. Yeah, they're pulling hard for Alabama to lose another game. If not, they're still pulling for that uh, second team in the SEC don't, West. Don't hope for a defensive game. Neither of these teams have a decent defense. No. I mean, 
you're gonna you're gonna get a shootout in this game no matter who wins it. Tennessee, Arkansas. This Arkansas team, not what they are playing a lot better than anyone expected them to. Tennessee's playing a little bit worse than everyone expected them to. And Arkansas put up a decent fight against Texas A&M last week. Do do we does Tennessee continue to reel, or does Arkansas get back on their winning ways? Following the loss of Texas A&M. This is one of those games where whoever is the home team wins, in my opinion. Just because it's such an evenly matched game, in my opinion. I think the Razorbacks take it at home. 6.30 kickoff on SEC Network. Tennessee, everybody saw how they squeaked one out on the road against South Carolina. And then they had a dominant win against Missouri at home. Went on the road to Georgia and lost by 23. It's like, okay, okay, let's see how they play at home against Kentucky. They lose to Kentucky by 27. So... And then obviously they got blown out at home last week by Alabama. So I think Arkansas is trending more upward than they are. Arkansas is only two and three on the year, just like they are. But like we said, they got a good win on the road at Mississippi State to break that streak. Should have beat Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium, according to some people. Beat Mississippi State at home. And they only lost to A&M by 11 last week. And we just credited A&M for being a good team this year. I like Arkansas at home. The spread's one and a half in favor of Tennessee, actually. Um, I say Arkansas wins by... Three to seven. It's a really close game. I'm picking Arkansas too. The quarterback situation at Tennessee is just not it. Garantana is not do, getting it done. Their backups don't look any better, which is hard to believe. But Arkansas is five and zero against the spread this year. So yeah, I'm I'm picking them to win and obviously to cover. And you know if, if they lost, I would expect them to still cover. I w- I would not expect Tennessee to win this game by by more than a point. But Felipe Franks looks good. Let's see if they can set themselves up. You know, Arkansas, guess where they're going next week after the Tennessee game? Where? Back to Gainesville for Felipe Franks' homecoming. That'll be interesting. I I don't know what the reception will be like for him. Yeah, see, but. you know, it's one of those games where you see Florida. You know, it's obvious I should have picked Florida. Florida's going to go in, beat Georgia, and then lose to Arkansas. Because Felipe Franks' return. That's how it's going to work. Well, I'm going to knock on wood for you because... I don't believe that that much, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. I'd hope he get a good uh, reception. He did a lot for Florida. Though. He did. He was a good quarterback. And the way he, the way his uh, career ended there was unfortunate. He gave him one of the most memorable moments in the Hail Mary play. Oh Lord, that was, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Auburn's next opponent, Mississippi State, will host Vanderbilt. We know which way we're going with this. We're probably picking Mississippi State because Vanderbilt is, believe it or not, worse than Mississippi State. Can Mississippi State somehow get something going and? give themselves a little bit of hope going into Auburn? I think Mississippi State does win this game. Um, my biggest question, has KJ Costello thrown a touchdown since the opening game? <laughs> well, so, well, so he has six game touchdowns block. on the year. Well, then no. Exactly. No. That's the only way I see Mississippi State winning this game. They did just lose Kylan Hill, so I don't think their rush game will be there as much. They're going to have to rely uh, on Jaquavius Marks. So he's only had 121 rush yards on the year. Um I just, obviously, we all know how we feel about Vanderbilt. There's just a dumpster fire. Derek Mason, I mean, he'll, he'll probably be out of there soon. They're averaging only 11 points a game and getting up 38. That's just not... Besides baseball, <laughs> Vanderbilt does not deserve to be in the SEC. They... I mean, that's a discussion for another day. But uh, KJ Costello has actually thrown one touchdown since the LSU game. Okay. Against Arkansas. One, next one touchdown in four games? Yeah, and it, four interceptions wow. in falling against Kentucky. So, no, I, I do think Mississippi State's going to win this game. And, and like I said, their defense is, is solid. It doesn't sh- statistically doesn't show because of the Alabama game. But 
it's just really tough for me to believe Vanderbilt can put up much of a fight. I, I think Mississippi State will cover this too. Yeah, I think I don't know if they cover. Um, I do think Mississippi State winning though. It's a home game, two thirty in the afternoon. I think I think Mississippi State will try and get back on a roll before uh, they host Auburn. Um, like I said, I don't know if they if they beat Auburn or not, but this game should be an easy one for Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I mean, God help the Commodores. We don't know what's happening with them. Who knows? But I'm going to look ahead to the SEC championship where we assume Alabama will be. But if you were Alabama Bay, would you rather face Florida or Georgia? If I was Alabama, I'd rather face Georgia. Okay. Because, A, you've already played them this year, which isn't an advantage or disadvantage, but you do know what, what you are more likely to see from them. I just, like I said earlier in the prediction of Florida and Georgia, I really just think Florida's offense is one of those offenses that is elite enough to count on. I still think Georgia's offense isn't as elite as people make it out to be. They have an average quarterback with elite talent around him. Um, so I'd rather face Georgia. I don't think I'd want to face that Florida offense. But I think after this weekend, when Florida and Georgia do match up in uh, Jacksonville, I think we'll get a really good idea of who would they'd rather see. Yeah, I'd pick Georgia as well for the same reasons. And going off the Florida offense point, the only way you're going to beat Alabama is by outscoring them. Hard, yeah. believe it or not. But because of the way Alabama's defense has played this year, you know, I'm saying this after they come off a shutout, but that's Mississippi State. You should shut out Mississippi State. I do think Florida's offense has the capability to keep up with Alabama's offense. You know, for my entertainment purposes, I really hope Florida makes it to the SEC championship against Alabama because we might get a we might get an Auburn Missouri type SEC championship if that does happen, and that'd be exciting to watch. Yeah, I like the point you make about the only way you're going to be able to beat them is outscoring them. A lot of the stuff you hear from the Crimson and White Nation is the fact that our defense is terrible. We were promised a great defense, especially after Jeremy Pruitt left, and they don't think that their defense has returned to that dominance. I don't think it's that their defense isn't dominant. It's still a great stout defense. It's It might not be as good as it once was, but it's good enough to hold you uh, a lead in a shootout like a game like that against Florida. See, I almost feel like it's a, I feel like it's a COVID problem probably. Like, you know, with the lack of spring ball, lack of fall practice, I do think that that's a valid excuse for Alabama's defense because it's a lot of tackling issues, and that's something you need a lot of time to really get down pat after taking time off from the season uh, prior, and especially the young guys when they're coming in. They're not used to this college football. They're used to high school or JUCO. So I, I really think that – and. That could change in the next few weeks. Alabama might get more acclimated, and they might be better on defense by the time the SEC championship rolls around, and it might not be a big deal whoever they play. They might dominate whoever they play. So I do think Georgia would be the better matchup for Alabama because we've seen them dominate before, but I think Florida would have a good chance if they were to get there. On the other side of the break, we're looking outside of the SEC at the rest of college football. Big 10 is rolling. Pac-12 returns. Maction's back, too. College football on the other side of the break on the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. And we're back. This is the scoreboard WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back from the break. If you want to call in and be a part of the conversation with myself and Jacob Hillman, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle getting into the college football talk of the hour. Just wrapped up Auburn LSU 
SEC roundup for the week with the four games that we have here. Now we're going to get into the big college football games of the week. A lot of headlines going around, especially the top five matchup between Clemson and Notre Dame, which we will get to. But we're going to go ahead and start giving some predictions and insight to the rest of this game here uh, this week in week 10 of college football. So, real quick, before we get into these other ranked matchups, this is this is one that's kind of flying on the radar that I think we I, I think we both know where we're going. Number 11, Miami at NC State. I think we're both picking Miami, and I think a big thing just I wanted to point out was a lot of people did think NC State was going to be a consistent top 25 team this year. I mean, they are quarterback you, but I digress. Yes. NC State... Yeah, they've been they've been on and off. Obviously, that loss to UNC, who you know are not really too sure about anymore. It's not looked good. They lost by twenty seven points. Uh, the Virginia Tech loss earlier in the year also doesn't look good because Virginia Tech might not be a great team. So I'm really not sure what to think of NC State, and that's why I don't know where I'm going with this game. Derek King still looks solid. He's still exciting to watch. Miami's last few games have gone well since that Clemson game. I mean, the UVA game was close, but, you know. We're going Canes. Perhaps. I'm, I'm going Canes for sure. 630 I, on ESPN. I just, I'm just not sure where Miami's going to be trending soon. I think they'll continue to just have a top 15 season. Doesn't make a push for the playoff. But, yeah, we both have the Canes. 630 on ESPN. Another game tomorrow night on Fox Sports 1 at 845 Central Time. Zach Wilson, Heisman hopeful out of BYU, his ninth-ranked Cougars go on the road to the Boise State Broncos. I mean, Zach Wilson's been having one of the best, I mean, collegiate seasons we've had this year, and he's flying completely under the radar. He's definitely, I'd say, top five in the Heisman race. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no chance. He's, he needs to go to New York. I mean, he's got to keep up what he's doing. He's still got several games to play, but you're right. Right and now, the only thing that hurts him is the fact that he's at BYU. Well, that's why this game is so important. It's Boise State. They're 2-0. They're ranked 21 in the nation. And, you know, historically, they're a power. They're one of those teams that's you know, was a BCS buster uh, trying to get into the playoff a few years ago. So if BYU can come in and win this game, whether it's close or they blow them out, Zach Wilson's in great position to really, you know, be in New York at the end of the year. Because, I mean, look at the rest of their schedule. In two weeks, they'll play North Alabama newly in FBS or in FCS, excuse me. And then they end off the they take two weeks off and then play San Diego State on December twelfth. So I think a big thing also is just the fact that if you look at it, Zach Wilson against this BYU de- or sorry this Boise State defense, although the Broncos have only played two games this year, they are only allowing eighty passing yards a game, which is kind of where Zach Wilson's been making his money this year. Um, I mean, I'll take BYU on the road. I, I like the Zach Wilson guy. Oh, I, I love it too, and I really think this is gonna be an exciting game. This is. The- Stay up past your bedtime on Friday night. West Coast after dark. It's going to be fun. Indiana, the 13th ranked team in the nation, hosts Michigan 23 at 13, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. The Wolverines, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I picked them to lose against Minnesota, and then I picked them to win against Michigan State. So, and it happened the opposite of both of those. So, I really don't know where to go to this game. Big noon kickoff, Indiana 2-0. and Give me the Hoosiers. You like Windiana. I do not. We're going to get like nine win. We're going to like 10 Windiana this year because they're going to the playoff and they're winning it all. I have Michigan just for no reason at all, but watch Indiana win now that I picked Michigan. Um, That's how it works. Well, considering I picked Indiana, I think Michigan might, might just hate me. <laughs> Michigan. I, see, that's the thing. I just don't know. Jim Harbaugh is still in it to me. Like, that Minnesota win doesn't look so great right now. Yeah, because Minnesota's not looking too hot after the loss at Maryland. And then, honestly, Michigan State, 
I mean, the Big Ten might be, other than Ohio State, the Big Ten might be absolutely chaotic this year. Yeah, Not in a good way, chaos. but yeah. I'll, I'll still pick Michigan, though, just because. Then we'll move on. Liberty at Virginia Tech. That doesn't sound as intriguing as it actually is. Number 25, Liberty, for traveling to Virginia Tech with former Auburn quarterback Malik Willis. I mean, in the backfield, a quarterback. They're not favored to win this matchup. I still pick them. I'm oh. going to pick them until they lose. See, I'm with you there. And that line being 14 and a half for Virginia Tech, because I can totally see Virginia Tech winning this game. Oh, yeah, no but doubt. 14 and a half, that is a number that I love because Liberty is an exciting offense, and they're they're going to score. Look at the over under 67 and a half. Yeah, this is going to be an offensive shoot. I don't see how Virginia Tech's going to win by that much with that over under. They don't have a great defense, so I think that's what's going to keep Liberty in the game. I, I really think Liberty's going to win this game. It's 11 a.m. game. I'll, ACC Network. I'll pick. I'll pick Liberty. Liberty Flames are going to win that game. Move on down the list. What else do we have on this weekend? Oh, here's a big matchup. Houston at Cincinnati, the sixth-ranked Bearcats, hosting on ABC. Who do we have winning this game? I'm still picking Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to roll and, man, playoff bound? I mean, that's just nuts. So they're, I mean, sixth. But their offense is well, – I told you last week – we talked about it. I said, they're going to beat Memphis. I said, if it was at Memphis, it might be closer, but it's going to be Cincinnati at home convincingly. They beat Memphis by 39. It was not close. So, I like Cincinnati. I really do think Cincinnati can win this game. Uh, I like the six-ranked Bearcats. Give me them at home. Are you broken? Moving on. <laughs> I don't have much else to say on that. I mean, I think Cincinnati's dominant, especially in their conference, so... I, I think they're gonna end up I think they're gonna end up in the playoff. Really? So you okay. have in, you have Indiana and Cincinnati? Okay, Indiana's a joke. No. But yes. Well I really think Cincinnati's gonna end up at the playoff. I think they're gonna be that group of five team that breaks pushes it. in. Because think about it. SEC will get Alabama in. Clemson or Notre Dame will get in, depending on who wins the SEC. And Ohio State. And Ohio State. And no one from the Big Twelve is getting in. Oklahoma State got knocked out last week. No one's getting in yeah. from the Big Twelve. And the Pac twelve it's they have no room. It's Oregon or USC, and if it's, they lose a game, it's over for them. I, so I think they'll be the team that gets in. I don't think they're going to give SEC a second team, and I don't think the Big Ten has a second team that can make that push. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I like that logic. Um, I think we've just it just comes down to the fact that Cincinnati, like you said, they're looking strong right now. Let's take a look at their schedule. Let's see who else can beat them. No one on their schedule. Hey, now I say that, and of course, someone's going to beat them. Yeah, I think UCF or Tulsa are probably the two biggest. Tulsa's their last game of the season. Their last three games are on the road. That is scary. So if they're as legit as they say they are, if they win those three games, then your logic of them making the playoff doesn't seem too ludicrous. Yeah, I, I, I just they they were talked about before the season, and the way they're trending, it's hard to shy away from them let's go ahead and move on but before we get to this weekend's biggest matchup i just would like to point out the number 10 team in the nation wisconsin will be sitting out another matchup due to the fact that of the covid breakout within their uh clubhouse unfortunately we are seeing a lot of covid positives in the nfl and in college football so i think there's eight postponements or cancellations in college football this week and there's just been a lot of positives in the nfl of course they're able to control it a little bit better but It'll be interesting to see if everything can hold together the rest of the year. That's true. 
we'll go ahead and move on. Game of the week. College game day is going to be here, right? Yes. Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Going to be hosting in South Bend the Clemson Fighting Tigers. Clemson is favored. They have a five-point spread in their favor. They are 7-0. Notre Dame is 6-0. Notre Dame playing this season in the ACC this year due to the coronavirus. No Trevor Lawrence. We were talking about it in the break. Trevor Lawrence did test positive for coronavirus last Wednesday, I believe. It was announced uh, literally right after our show last Thursday, so we didn't even get to talk about it. Um, But we were talking about it, and I was thinking, why is it that he can't play Saturday if Saturday would have been after his quarantine went up? But we talked about it, and I guess it's just out of precaution. I think it's either out of precaution or Dabo decided... I don't want to play him after him not practicing for a week and a half and like literally having to travel. That surely, day. It, surely it's the the first due to the fact that I mean, that's yeah. a better quarterback that he trusts and it's possible. Regardless, he's not playing. He is not, and it's really going to hurt his Heisman chances. Clemson's a five point favorite, and I don't know Notre Dame. This could be their year if it's going to happen. It's going to be this year for them to get to the national championship because. One, they're not going to have all the crap talked to them about, you know, oh, they didn't play anyone, oh, join a conference, because they're in a conference, and they're going to have to win the ACC championship game against Clemson if they're going to want to get in the playoff. So, is Ian Book going to get it done? You know, I, I was so tempted to pick Notre Dame on the pick just due to the fact that Watching last week's game in line and getting to the LSU game, we saw Boston College was giving it to Clemson, especially in the first half. They were up uh, 28-13 to 13 at one point, I mean, in Death Valley, quote-unquote Death Valley. Um, and it really looked like Boston College was going to upset the number one team in the nation without Trevor Lawrence, even with having Travis Etienne. Uh, but Travis Etienne was the leading receiver and rusher, had 84 rush yards, 140 receiving yards, had a touchdown each. And then they were led under center by DJ Iwagalalai. I think that's probably pronounced his last name. Close. I can't do it. I can't do it perfectly either. I'm sorry if I just butchered his name. Please forgive me. But regardless, he was under center at 342 passing yards with two passing touchdowns, 30 of 41. So he had a solid, sufficient day um, in the backfield as well. I picked Clemson. I really just think with the talent and that they have and on the road against Ian Book, I'm not completely sold on Ian Book. I never have been. I still think without Trevor Lawrence, Clemson finds a way to fight it out. Because it's at Notre Dame, I'm picking Notre Dame. Would you pick Clemson at if it was at Death Valley? I guess. Yes. Okay. I would. That's fair. I, I do think that the home field is going to matter. Both both teams or both schools are allowing fans in. And I just think Notre Dame's looked decent over the last few weeks. Georgia Tech game wasn't perfect. Pitt was the game that I really, truly thought they're going to get upset. And they came out 145-3. Yeah. Ian Books look good so far. Kyron Williams, a running back, looks good. I think that balance can overcome the strong Clemson defense. Hillman has Notre Dame. I have Clemson. We'll see how it shakes out this weekend. On the scoreboard, the last segment of the hour, we're going to get into NFL talk. If you want to call in, 334-844-9345. See you on the other side of the break on WEGL. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back into The Scoreboard for the final segment of the hour. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we're getting into the NFL week number nine. We're lucky we have some Thursday night football to talk about tonight because San Francisco 49ers have had some COVID issues. I wish they still did. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, they don't have without Jimmy G. They have one active wide receiver. I don't know who it is. Yikes. But 
for some reason, the 49ers are still on the FBI are still favored to win. 60% chance to win. Don't tell me that. But the spread is minus six and a half. That's gotta that's gotta be Mine's wrong. minus seven. I got minus six and a half, but that's gotta be wrong because the 49ers, I don't give them any chance to win. We're just going to jump into it right now because this game, I was looking forward to it until Jimmy G got hurt, George Kittle got hurt, and the entire 49ers roster got COVID. Hey, I'm that makes me look forward to it even more. So, Well, yes, it will be a dominating game for them, but they are getting Jordan Reed back tonight off the injured reserve. So it's going to be Nick Mullins to Jet McKinnon, Jordan Reed, and the one wide receiver that is active tonight. We've lost two of our last three. One on the road to Tampa Bay, and we lost at home last week against Minnesota. Our upset bid or our comeback bid fell short. We got upset by Minnesota at home. Uh, Get upset by Dalvin Cook. Yes, that's that's probably a better way to put it. Um, I really think this is where the Packers, after their hot start, they kind of get humbled a little bit and they turn it back around. This is a solid week on the road against the defending NFC champs. Seven twenty on Thursday night football. Revenge for. The domination? Yes, in the championship game last year. I think Green Bay goes back in the Levi's Stadium for the first time since the NFC Championship last year. I think they get it done. I won't give them like a crazy blowout win, but I do say they uh, pull away in the second half and they do win this game. Yeah, I'll go ahead and give the Packers a blowout win. I mean, the Fortnite. Knock on wood if you're going to at least do that. Nick Mullins was great last year in relief. 205 gang? Yeah, Shane Park High School. But he was great in relief of Jimmy G last year. He's really calmed down a little bit since then. And I, I think that the 49ers are a good team. The NFC West is great. But they're 1-3 at home. There's just so many COVID issues. They literally have one wide receiver that's active. I just can't see them standing a chance. Yeah. So I'm picking the Green Bay Packers in a blowout. So moving to Sunday, we'll go ahead and talk about my Panthers. I don't know how bad this is going to be. Give yourself a little bit of credit. I mean, it's the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, it's and you are on a three-game skid. And no one's talking about the Chiefs. You are on a three-game skid. That is, that's the thing. No one's talking about the Chiefs. Panthers well, are That's because they haven't played anybody lately besides Buffalo yeah. a few weeks ago. I give Kansas City... I'm broken. Kansas City Chiefs the win at home. Um, sorry, but I just think that, you know... Especially with the ad of Le'Veon Bell, we've seen him be very present in their offense lately. Andy Reid probably really likes that pickup. I see Kansas City just taking this one at home. I think y'all fall to four straight games. I mean, something's got to turn around for the Panthers. And Teddy Bridgewater is just not getting it done. Losing to the Falcons was just kind of a... That was bad. Y'all should have won that game. Yeah. I'm picking the Chiefs by two touchdowns. That's probably fair. That's a fair assessment. Probably one of the best games in the 12 o'clock window. If the Bills can turn it around, they host the Seahawks. Chris Carson is injured. Don't know if he's going to play. If he does play, he'll be limited. I still like Seattle. Russell Wilson's having an MVP season followed by Aaron Rodgers and guys like Josh Allen. Um, I just really like the connection he's had this year with his long ball. I think that he looks really good. I think that if DK and uh, Tyler Lockett continue to have great season, I mean, Tyler Lockett had a great game a few weeks ago against Arizona, had a great fantasy week for me. Um I think if they can find that connection Sunday on Fox at 12 o'clock, I think they come out with a win. I don't think it's a blowout, uh, but this NFC-AFC matchup is really close. comes down to a few few key plays late, and it's going to be the Seahawks. Agreed. I think that the Bills are going to turn it around this week, not with a win, but a hard-fought loss against a Seahawks team. That, you know, beating them is very difficult to do. So, you know, I hate moral victories. But I think it's going to be one of those for the Bills. They're going to keep it close, and it's going to come down to the wire. 
Another good game. Titans-Bears at the Bears can figure out some offense. They almost beat the Saints. They took them to overtime. Titans are on a two-game losing streak. That's just karma for starting a fight. That's why they lost the game in overtime. That was nuts. Yeah, well, see, the Bears, it's karma for starting a fight. And the Titans, a two-game losing streak, is karma for the COVID issues. For scaring the entire league. So who's going to break the karma streak? <laughs> it's Tennessee. Tennessee at home. Um... I think that Ryan Tannehill, we saw him being able to pass it better this season so far. I think that's going to be a key. I think Derrick Henry is going to be a uh, focus point for the Bears defense. And like we said, Nick Foles is just, that's not it. Their quarterback and, room and is, thing just, is Yeah, Mitch Trubisky's not it either because I've seen a lot of Chicago fans want to go back to Trubisky. I'm like, He's why? not it either. You're trying to get rid of him. So, I'll be the Titans as well. Derrick Henry's going to run pretty well against them. Ravens and Colts, two five and two teams. You know, the the whole moving rivalry from Baltimore to Indianapolis. The Colts, I you know, I don't think they're that good. But they're five and two, three and oh at home. Defense looks great. The offense I don't trust. Yeah, I still like Baltimore. Um they're five and two. They're undefeated away from home this year. It, the line is or the spread is close. It's only two in favor of Baltimore. I think after that close lot to loss to Pitt last week, I think they come back out firing and they've corrected their mistakes. Um, I don't think Indianapolis gets this one at home. I think it's Baltimore. So even though I said what I said about the Colts, Lamar Jackson turns the ball over too much. Wow. Is this your upset of the week? This is my upset because I think the Colts are gonna turn the ball over. Not they're gonna turn the Ravens over a good bit this week. I mean, we've seen what the Colts can do. They're one of the best fantasy teams because of the turnovers and the touchdowns they score. You know, it, like I said, the offense, I don't like. I don't trust Phillip Rivers. John Taylor has not been up to expectations. But I think they can get it done. I think they can control this Ravens offense. And I think they'll get it done at home. So that that is my upset this week. It's pretty and bold. It, it is bold, I know. But it's not insane. Because, I mean, I don't know. It's just I was so high on the Ravens after week one, after what they did to the Browns, and I think after week two. But then what they did against the Chiefs, that was kind of a downer. It was a big downer. And then they they fought hard against the Steelers. They didn't play terrible. Yeah. But it's still just one of those things where I see them doing what they've done in the playoffs the last two years. They go in, lose first game. Yeah. So moving on to the next game, the rest of the 12 o'clock window, I don't even want to look at. Just look at that. Just Giants, football team, Texans, Jaguars. That's the highlight of the day right there. Ew. We'll move to the 3 o'clock window. <laughs> Can Justin Herbert finally get some help against the Raiders? I want to say yes, but I just feel like this is going to be that, that season where he just looks back and is glad that he grew from it. I like Las Vegas on the road. It's a 3.05 kickoff on Fox. Um, the spread is even. Wow. Um I think Las Vegas builds off that win against Cleveland last week. They had a tough loss at home against Tampa. Um, I want to say Los Angeles bounces back after a, a tough loss to Drew Locke last week, but I think Los Angeles moves to 2-6, and six, sadly, because I love Justin Herbert. Yeah, I, I actually do think the Chargers are going to win this game. Lines even to toss-up. Very quickly, Steelers stay undefeated. They're playing the Cowboys. I think so. Dallas is just a dumpster fire. Who knows if it's going to be... Uh, under the center, we were talking to a friend the other day. They, she was like, I don't know who's going to be uh, in the backfield for us, but it doesn't matter. I just think Pittsburgh's just the best team in the NFL this year, and without Dak, Dallas isn't really anything. Quickly again, Tua or Kyler? Kyler Murray. At home, 325. He looks solid. Tua's got to learn how to be in the NFL, uh, despite having his first touchdown last week. All right, and I'm picking Kyler as well. Sunday night football, 
Breeze versus Brady. Who's going to win and who's going to have the career touchdowns record after the night? Brady, uh, Tampa Bay's on a roll. Like we said, New Orleans still isn't up to the standard that they have been the past several years. I think Brady wins. Yeah, give me the Bucks. I do think Brady will be in the touchdown lead after the night as well. I think in his career as well. I think that's was, a fair. I think it's well. He'll come back for another year. Do you think that they're gonna retire at the same time, or do you think Brady's gonna play next year? Brady will play next year, even if he's like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's that competitive. Drew Brees is. He's done. a competitor. Drew Brees is done after this year. Well, that's going to do it for the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Remember, if you want to go back and listen, you can go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and find the show. Just search the scoreboard. For Bay Mars, I'm Jacob Hillman saying so long and have a good weekend. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.